Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Christian. Welcome back once again. It is splendid to see all of you, especially to my good friends out there in Brazil. Uh, looking through all the analytics there, you guys are rocking it. <laughs> totally was not expecting that spike in popularity. You're about to beat American audiences, by the way. It is neck and neck. Which pleases me immensely. It was just, I never thought it would happen. So clearly you guys are sharing. Maybe you're just saying, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. I got to sh show my friend, like, I have to listen to this American guy. He sucks. <laughs> you know, if, that, if it's that, you know what? That's perfectly fine with me. Whatever, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> so shout out once again to you guys. You're doing great. Love you. Now, uh, moving on to the podcast proper. Uh, let's see, what have I been watching lately? Well, uh, I saw The Forever Purge uh, earlier today. Got to say, not real big on that one. I mean, it's a series that kind of has lost its way after a while. And I'm confused, too, because maybe I'm misremembering, because I thought that, you know, the, the what was it? The uh, New Founding Fathers Party was ousted from... Uh, government when they were beaten in an election so there shouldn't be a purge right now even though the concept of the film is after the purge people are purging still i mean i don't know do they care about continuity there do they have an editor i couldn't tell you it uh, it just wasn't a film for me not a fan of where they went with it so that's that but i will tell you about what something that surprised me immensely was a hit monkey on Hulu. Wow. I gotta say, was not expecting anything out of this series. You know, especially after Modoc. Like, Modoc was okay at the very best. I mean, that was about all I can say for it. It's like, it was okay. It was a show I watched. But hit monkey has no right whatsoever to be as good as it is. I'm talking, there is comics action there. There is gratuitous violence, and which, by the way, uh, definitely not for children. So if you're somehow getting your content warnings from me, uh, just let that be known. But introducing, I mean, I was not expecting many Marvel characters to show up, and like, there's not a lot, but it was way more than I was expecting. Maybe like get a cameo from maybe like the Kingpin or something like that. Uh, and I think he actually appears on like a photo, but I'm talking... Some solid characters from the Marvel Universe show up in this. And it's a great story. Uh, Lovin', Lovin', uh, what was it, Bryce? Bryce is the hitman's name, the assassin, and, and Hitmonkey. I love their relationship. Love how they work together throughout all this, you know, despite their differences. Hmm. It was quite good. And I know there's probably not a great chance it's going to get um, renewed with the way that uh, it was it and uh, Modoc were two of four shows that were supposed to show up. I think the other one was, was supposed to be a Howard the Duck and a Dazzler show. And they were going to team up for a, a series called the offenders, you know, to play off the defenders. But the other two series were canceled after uh, uh, Feige took over. I think all the creative parts of Disney, including animation, just to try and make things more cohesive. So since this is not MCU aligned, I don't think 
they're going to get a second season. But if they do, I hope they maintain the same writers because it is amazing. Now, on to, let's see, Ultraman. Ultraman has been going amazingly. They just had a really great episode that was a great tribute. I'm almost done with uh, Ultraman Tiga. Uh, I think three three episodes away? Yeah, three episodes away. And once again, like they are nailing it with the kaiju designs. They are nailing it with the story, which uh, that's not why I come to Ultraman. <laughs> I, I think we've, we've established before, but like I'm there for it. So, yeah, really digging that. Looking forward to Dinah. Yeah, Ultraman Dinah, which is, yeah, that's the next one. Uh, it's looking like that's going to be a lot of fun. I have seen some kaiju designs from that, too. It's like, hmm, piece de resistance. Let's see, anime. What have I been watching anime-wise? Um, outside of the seasonal stuff, which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned Ranking of Kings. I should have mentioned Ranking of Kings. That is mm, chest kiss. I was not expecting anything out of this. It's like when I saw the, the art style, I was like, ah, I don't want any part of that. It looks kind of kiddie and dumb. It's like, well, no, it's drawn that way. But the story is mature in a, like a, not in a dark and edgy kind of way, but like, in a, you know, you're not expecting maturity of this kind of storytelling from the art. Kind of. Now, when I first saw, you know, uh, promotional images for um, Madoka uh, or Madoka Magica or gosh, however the heck you're supposed to pronounce that. It's been a while since I've watched that. Which, fun fact, that's one of the series John and I watched for what was going to be the original podcast last year. And we both had a blast with that. But that's beside the point. Maybe we'll see those episodes. We'll see the light of day eons from now. Uh, when we have nothing else going on. Uh, where was my point? Oh, Ranking of Kings. You want to check it out. Great series. And, oh, uh, Blue Exorcist. I have completed the canon parts of the first season. And I got to say, uh, it's really turning me around on it. It's been really fun. I'm loving the character interactions. Uh, I'm loving the conflicts. Had a really great trial scene. Uh, really digging that. So I'm about to start the second season, so I'm skipping those filler episodes. I did decide to do that. So maybe that's a criminal offense. But, I mean, I've suffered through enough filler in my life, so I am done with that. I do believe that is all, so we'll move on tonight to our comics discussion. We have two comics tonight, and then our two manhwa. The first comic... Oof. Mixed feelings on this one. Yeah, uh, this is The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 78, dot B. That's B-E-Y for Beyond. This is written by Jeb McKay. It is drawn by Eleonora Carlini and Federico Blay. So we start the issue with uh, Misty and Colleen are being interrogated by Maxine Danger about something that happened. Uh, they're both covered in gunk. Looks like they're taking a little uh, damage to their outfits as well. So we get a flashback to earlier this morning. And Ben is walking through a door in this really decrepit location. It says, oh, this sucks. I mean, I get training. You want a new Spider-Man, you got to train a new guy up. I get it. But Avengers Murder Mansion? Really? I bet John Walker didn't have to do this kind of thing. <laughs> so it'll be explained later on. He's in a simulation. Uh, 
actually made by Colleen and Misty, if I remember correctly. And we get this, and I did not get this the first time I read through this. It's like, oh, well, these are supposed to actually be horror icons. So I don't know. I was just reading for fun at that point, not actually looking through things. So, so we have a Captain America Leatherface, which not a big fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, franchise myself. It gets a little too uh, torture porny for me. So uh, uh, we get Captain America Leatherface saying, Welcome to the Avengers, Spider-Man. Hope you survive the experience. And uh, Ben dodges out of the way. Comments, isn't that an X-Men thing? And we get one of the uh, texts for the mission saying, so it's an X-Men thing. Give me a break. I never dated any Avengers. Oh, wait, was that Colleen? Yeah, it's Colleen. Okay. I thought there was some rando. It was like, that makes a lot more sense because Colleen actually in the comics dated Cyclops uh, in uh, Claremont's run uh, right after Jean had died. So it was around 20 or 30 issues. And then he met Madeline Pryor and that was a whole debacle. (laughs) And eventually Jean came back. But she's trying to explain that. Ah, well, you know, I never dated any Avengers, which is not true because she's dated Iron Fist, I believe. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe that was Misty. I can I always get them confused, especially with the Netflix series. Which was its own travesty. But anyway, moving on. Uh, ben is running away and uh, a giant man with a Freddy Krueger claw is attacking him. So he's trying to get to the goal of the mission as the wasp is attacking him, kind of looking like, I'm guessing, the fly is what they're going for here. Maybe. With her appearance. So, you're Jeff Goldblum instead of your Vincent Price. And Spider-Man tries to get away, but then there's uh, Jason Iron Man flies by. Don't really know what Iron Man has to do with Jason, but whatever. But that causes enough of a distraction for a gun to appear behind him and Misty to show up and say, boo. And uh, Ben asks her, what are you wearing? She says, hell if I know. Colleen built a scenario in simulation. And Colleen says, come on, Avengers Murder Mansion, you're the final girl, the cheerleader. It's like you've never seen a horror movie. Misty says, I dated in high school, Colleen. Which, like, acting a very childish for the two of them, but you know, whatever. And Missy says, so what did we learn? And Spider-Man says, I have no idea. One of the Avengers against someone with horror movie powers or just Colleen. Training wise. And Ben says, Spider-Sense. It's great for alerting me to threats, but with enough threats to keep it going off all the time, I can get blindsided. Which I'm going to take a moment here and dispute this. Because, number one, I will start with this This with, Misty and Colleen have way more uh, experience than Ben. That is true. Undeniable. But with his own ability? Were there not times when he was the Spider-Man running around that Ben got overwhelmed by so many problems at once and go, ooh, well, maybe that messes with my Spider-Sense. Like, I mean, Marvel continuity being Marvel continuity, like, how long has he been alive, really? Anywhere from eight to ten years? Probably more? Shouldn't he know this by now? That, as you can probably guess, I don't really like how they handled Ben in this issue. It's definitely a throwaway for right now. For the end. So, whatever. Maxine gets Colleen and Misty to work for her, saying that there's a 
uh, robot monster named Obsidian Star that they have codenamed out there on a rampage. And she wants them to take it down and kind of like passive aggressively messes with them like, oh, well, uh, you can do this as part of your job or you can actually help people. You know, you wouldn't want innocents to die. It's like, well, oh, no, it looks like Maxine Danger is evil. Or maybe just a capitalist. Tautology. <laughs> and I say that as a capitalist. So Colleen and Misty are going up against this Obsidian Star, which I'm fairly certain this is his introduction. Uh, I think, yeah, this should be his introduction. I do not remember this character, but you know, there's plenty of Marvel books I don't read. So who knows? And in the process, uh, to avoid civilian casualties, uh, Colleen uses one of the pocket battlefields that they had just used, kind of like Mysterio's hollow cubes uh, from the animated series. I'm sure he's used them in the comics too, but that's the one I'm most familiar with. But it's put them in the Avengers murder mansion scenario. And the two of them are working, uh, working together to try and figure out where Obsidian Star is in the scenario. And Maxine, of course, is like, oh, well, potential. This is wonderful. I want all this because I am <laughs> evil, did you know? Never would have guessed. So uh, Colleen and Misty uh, get inside and we see someone. Who is this supposed to be? I don't know. It's someone dressed like a scarecrow with a shotgun. Don't you know which Avengers member that's supposed to be? Uh, but they take him down. Misty shoots him. And you might have noticed I'm trying to get through this a little quickly. But we get all these, like, beyond uh, corporation uh, trademark items, like the uh, Vibro Katana and uh, Bug Spray and Scorpions, which they actually got a laugh out of me. Um, and it looks like that's Hawkeye that's being attacked, maybe. Uh, as Misty takes down Giant Man with a hammer hand. And it seems to me uh, Colleen is taking down uh, it looks like the Black Knight Tigra. And is that one of the 3D men? Because the first 3D man was white, wasn't he? The second was black? Ah, I can't remember. And um, and finally, Dr. Druid. You know, your favorite Avengers member, Dr. Druid. From the 80s. Great, great character. Actually, I'm, not, I'm messing with it. He's like, Druid's okay. He's just not like strange level. And it's at this point that they have noticed that uh, Obsidian Star is not trapped in a sim like we are. He is the sim, which, okay, sure, I'm guessing with whatever fancy energy thing. So that means that he himself as the house is trying to attack them. And they are, they have this grenade looking thing that they're going to use that they have left behind in the house just so that it can explode before they do. They are killed. And it does. And it figure out this is an antimatter bomb. Not for mass market. Yet. Which completely blows up the mansion. And takes out Obsidian Star, bringing them back to the real world. And uh, Misty is standing on, on top of the uh, monster robot. Robot monster. Uh, goes into the star, puts her bionic hand in, and takes out some energy. And that's where we go back to the interview. And Maxine asks, and then? Misty says, what do you mean, and then? Weren't you recording everything that happened in the pocket battlefield? She says, well, it turns out detonating a prototype antimatter bomb 
plays Mary Hell with sensitive electronics. We lost contact with you after that. Where's the Obsidian Star power source? What power source, Colleen asks. Uh, Misty was digging ground inside that thing's chest for ages. It was grotesque. She didn't find anything. Nothing. And we get nothing. Not a thing. As they have clearly, in a flashback, taken the star from whatever this was. And uh, they're going to show it to uh, Monica uh, Spectrum. I should have looked this up last time. I think she's going by Spectrum. I'm giving it to her, and she's and in that moment, which was the end of 78, uh, uh, Spectrum says, yeah, I think I know just where this needs to go. So are we going to get Blue Marvel in here? That'd be fun. I didn't really... I, I like their interactions when Spidey was on the team with them because, you know, he actually got to flex his science knowledge uh, working with uh, Adam Brashear. But maybe it's just the three of them. Maybe no Blue Marvel. That would be sad. But you know what? These ladies are fine. I just gotta say, uh, not real big on this issue. Uh, it just, uh, uh, unless the Obsidian Star thing comes back into play at some point, which why not just have that part of the main comic? Why does this have to be a side thing? Uh, I don't know. You know. Instead of just being overly negative, I'm just gonna continue on to our second and final comic of the evening, which is the third issue of Dark Ages which is an AU uh, for the Marvel Universe. And basically, what had happened is that uh, this unknown being, cosmic being called the Unmaker, if I remember correctly, um, was, I think, sealed inside of the Earth, kind of like Celestials were in uh, Earth-X. And... Well, I won't say that because some people haven't seen something. Uh, maybe later on, I'll say something about that. If yeah, because we'll definitely be continuing with this series because it's a lot of good fun, especially for an AU. Uh, so in the process, I think Doctor Strange was killed, but he did something to uh, cause the Unmaker to uh, be unable to continue destroying the Earth. And this caused all technology in the world to be destroyed and unable to be reproduced in the same way. So this is several years afterward, and the Marvel heroes have all banded together to help like restart civilization. Like obviously you got the Black Panther in Wakanda. I think if I remember correctly, Professor X was in uh, I don't know if it was Brazil or I mean, I don't know how terrible, just so genetic uh, genetic <laughs> not, not genetic, generic. A very big difference between those two words. Uh, what one small letter can do to a man. Uh, generic thinking of South America. There's, it's not like there's, you know, you know, 15 plus countries down there or anything. Goodness gracious, Christian. Uh, and so we meet our heroes. Uh, Spider-Man is narrating. It says, there was a time before it all burned away when everything felt right. And we get flame on from Johnny Storm. When the paradise we'd worked for came together. And uh, little Danny Cage, who is uh, Luke and, oh gosh, Jet, 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 no, not Jessica Drew, Jessica Jones, way different character. Uh, that is her, uh, their daughter. Said, wow, in response, as Johnny is lighting a kettle up for tea time with the children. 
It says, yes, I avoid a kettle, Danny. I once burned so hot I melted through Galactus, but now I... And Danny asks, what's Galactus? And Danny kind of flames off for a bit. You don't know who Galactus is? And we get uh, Peter and Luke, like, cider, like Peter's given the, the whisper of moment. It's like, it's a tea party for kids and their closest toys, Johnny. Planetary threats aren't invited. And little May, who is Peter and Mary Jane's daughter, because, you know, only they can only be married in alternate universes instead of together because, you know, that they're not meant for each other or whatever, Marvel. I'll just move on from that. Uh, May says, I think it's awesome that you can boil a kettle so fast, Uncle Johnny. And I love she calls him uncle because I love the relationship Peter has with Franklin Richards. And he would definitely, if Johnny ever had a child, had the same kind of relationship Johnny does with his kid. Oh, excuse me, that Peter has with Reed and Sue's kid. Says, oh, thank you, May. And Luke says, T? Sure. Stuffed elephant? <laughs> Why not? And Luke notices that uh, Jessica is there and says, Jess, good timing. Danny, would you like to offer your mother a cup of tea? But he sees the look on her face, and Spider-Man asks, what happened? What's happened? We see Pepper Potts is with Blade. Uh... X-23 as Wolverine and Gabby. And they've noticed that Captain America seemed to have been there before, and the last issue was actually Mystique, who had shapeshifted to trick Tony Stark in, th- in the, like letting his guard down. Then she beat him down and took him to Apocalypse, who is in the shadows trying to like reorder the world in his image. So, uh, uh, goodness gracious, what is is it? Laura, Laura is X23's uh, Wolverine's name. It says she has a mystique's name out loud, and then they run away. It says, We dealt with a night horde attacking on the other side of the city last night. It could have been a deliberate diversion. Tony fell here or was knocked down. He bled a little, but not too much. Mystique wasn't the only one with him. And Blade says, No. And Stark put up a fight. A lot of vampires died. Wolverine says, Pepper, I'm sorry. I know who was here. I know who took Tony. And we flash over to uh, Johnny, Peter, and Dr. Doom, who has allied with the heroes. I love Doom working together with people. He says, if Apocalypse has taken Stark, we need to recover him immediately. Johnny says, I'm surprised to hear that you care, Doom. And is this... Oh, yeah, yeah, Lunella, which is uh, Moon Girl. Uh, she's team, normally teamed up with uh, Devil Dinosaur. And she says, he doesn't, Johnny. He just sees the threat. Stark is the greatest weapons maker who has ever lived. Pepper says, Tony is far more than that, Lunello. He says, don't delude yourself. His mind is built for destruction. T'Challa, the paradise you're trying to create here will go up in flames. We need to retrieve him. In the hands of Apocalypse, Stark is a ticking time bomb. And Pepper says, I will go. I'll get him back. And Doom says, tick, tick, which... Not a fan of how doomed is you doomed. Doom is used in these panels. He's just coming off like childish, and that's not Doom. So one misstep in this whole thing, I'll take that if that's the worst thing that happens. And Peter says, "I'll go with you, Pepper." And Johnny says, "So will I." And uh, is this Sue or Valeria? Sometimes it's hard to tell. I mean, they practically look like sisters at this moment. Uh, Pepper, we don't even know if he's alive, and. This is Jean Grey. It says, even if he is, we don't know where he's being held. And Johnny, as Doom is continually uh, saying, tick, tick, 
Then he says, could you stop ticking? I get you're doing it for dramatic effect, but this is all dramatic enough already. We have spent years avoiding conflict with Apocalypse and his forces. We can't rush into this. And Black Panther raises one of his claws and says, we do have someone who can rush into this. We flash over and it's Quicksilver. And this is continuing Spider-Man's narration. So the Black Panther sent a scout. The idea was that Quicksilver would be in and out of the base before anyone ever knew he was there. Faster than even Apocalypse could detect him. And he could have done just that. Until he stops. If it wasn't for what he discovered. And he sees Magneto. He says, Father? Pietro? So, unlike in... God help me. Regular Marvel canon right now. They're actually father and son. Which is what they should be. And so Quicksilver, making a knee-jerk reaction, tries to go save uh, Magneto, but he is stopped by Apocalypse and Dr. Octopus and the mind-controlled Reed Richards. And Apocalypse says, your defenses work well, Octavius. And Otto says, thank you, Apocalypse. Should we lock him away with the others? No, as the purple man shows up. He says, let's send him back. And Peter's narration continues. We didn't know what we were dealing with. And Quicksilver appears before him and says, T'Challa. Quicksilver, what have you learned? And they kind of notice him waiting for a second. Then the narrative continues. We didn't know who we were dealing with. And uh, Koye steps in front of T'Challa to try and protect him. Jean recognizes that Quicksilver stalks that something's messing with him. Uh, Spider-Man tries to get people to look out. But then Pietro heads forward and cracks Okoye's neck. This is Okoye, right? I, I, the lo- Dora Malahi. Malahi? Malahi? I always get them confused. So, my bad. And the narration for Peter continues. He was too fast. I couldn't stop it. As we see him multiply, uh, goodness gracious, using multiple web shooters to try and take down Quicksilver. Like, obviously, Spider-Man's not as fast as Quicksilver is. So, that's a fight he's going to lose if the battle is based on speed. The Quicksilver's obviously going to lose if he ever, if Peter ever gets one punch in. But at this moment, Quicksilver is outspeeding. He has taken one of the vibranium spears, and Johnny has flamed on, and in the midst of that, it all happens so fast. Quicksilver has plunged the vibranium spear through Johnny's chest, uh, apparently through his heart as well, and Sue freaks out, calling out his name. Johnny calls out her name. It only took Jean Grey a second to reach Quicksilver's mind, and Jean commands him to sleep, to shut him down, and Quicksilver falls to the ground. But so much damage had already been done. Damage we couldn't reverse. And Johnny is starting to freak out. His flames are going everywhere. Sue is going in front of him. She says, Sue, I can't control it. You have to get away. Run! She says, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving you. And my friend, Johnny Storm, burned away. Sue saved so many of us. And we see that uh, everyone else who was still alive in there uh, including Quicksilver, but his legs have been charred, charbroiled, is still alive because Sue erected a force field around them, as well as a minor one around herself. But despite all her power, she couldn't save him, as she tries to pick up Johnny's ashes, and they just float away. We flash forward to Quicksilver in bed, and it seems like they have made prosthetic legs of some sort, or because he's definitely lost his legs, in the panel above, or the page above, it says, I, I knew what I was doing. I could see it all, but the purple man, I couldn't. 
Sue, I'm so sorry. And uh, Jessica Jones speaks up, says, it's not your fault. It's what Kilgrave does. I know what it's like to have that in your head. None of this is your fault, Pietro. And T'Challa asks, what did you see? They have a pyramid full of electricity. Impossible, Sue says. They have my father trapped in the middle of it. Black Panther says Magneto. And is this Lunella again? Uh, Moon Girl? I can't tell. Uh, if I was trying to build a Faraday cave, yeah, this should be her, against the EMP, and I was an actual monster, that's how I'd do it. Uh, T'Challa asks, did you, see, did you see Stark? Quicksilver says, I did. They were working on something, and not just Tony. Hank McCoy, Dr. Octavius, Riri Williams, Reed Richards. Sue so says, what? And the Spider-Man's narration continues. And that was the moment that cemented what came next. Reed Richards and his son Franklin had been missing and presumed dead for four years. Quicksilver says, Reed was there. He's working for Apocalypse. Sue Storm was grieving. She'd watched helplessly as her brother died. Then suddenly she was given hope her husband and child could still be alive. And Sue starts running away. Our strike force would be ready to invade Europe the very next morning. Some of us would never return. An apocalypse with this cloak majestically floating in the wind says they'll be coming. They'll try to stop us. And a voice from off screen says they will not succeed. An apocalypse asks, are the three of you ready? And we see who it is. As they say, yes, we are ready to hunt. As it looks like Miles has been taken over by the Venom symbiote and the Carnage symbiote. Uh, which, wow, what a combo. And then at the end of Dark Ages 3. So, we get through this. I'm not expecting a happy ending. I'm expecting a bittersweet ending, especially with Spider-Man's narration, you know, saying you know, not everyone's going to make it back. I mean, there's still many heroes from across the world that they can use to attack Apocalypse. And we, I think we have three issues left of this. And there's still hope that maybe they can reverse the Purple Man's mind control of the Beast and uh, Ironheart and um, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, maybe Otto's working for free. Maybe he's not mind controlled. Who knows? So That's about all I have to say about that. As we will move on to our manhwa. And this should be fairly quick for these. Not a lot happening of substance. Uh, solo leveling, chapter 174. And we see uh, Norma, who I had to relook this up. I remembered who she was, not what her name was. She was uh, one of the hunters involved with, like, you know, causing awakenings of powers or, like, amping people's abilities, if I remember correctly. That uh, Sung Jin Woo originally refused because he didn't want to be indebted to the United States, which is where she's from. And she and one of the other hunters are looking out. She says, the flames of war are all over the U.S. territory. And he says, all kinds of mana are running wild and spreading throughout the region. I never thought Hunter Sung was telling the truth. What are we supposed to do now? She says, he's not the only hunter we have. Hunters from all over the world have thrown themselves into battle. We see Thomas Andre getting involved, uh, whether they're E-ranks or S-ranks. The abilities of an E-rank is slightly above that of a normal human. Surely they realize that, uh, other than the fact that they carry around magical weapons unlike soldiers, they won't be able to contribute to the battle much. And it's not any different in the case of C-ranks and D-ranks. When E-ranks hunt one beast, D-ranks would only be hunting three of them. 
and C ranks would be hunting around 10. This is even a case for S ranks, as we see Cha, uh, was it Chayin is her first name? Uh, let's go with Cha, uh, standing over some dead monsters there. And it continues, even though they may be capable of killing a thousand of them, they will eventually perish like just another of the many stars. However, and we flip over to, no, oh, excuse me, no, before that, she says, when those individual stars fall and draw shapes in the sky, although very faintly, they show us the future. People call this hope. And it's fairly obvious they are talking about Sung Jin Woo. And we get one of the uh, hunter leaders talking about uh, talking about the um, uh, likelihood of them bringing out E-rank hunker, hunkers. <laughs> what is going on with my mouth tonight? I cannot form words to save my life. Sending out E-rank hunters to protect civilians in the process of all this as we go over finally to the battle between Antares, Antares and Sung Jin Woo. Uh, he had earlier released something that caused the dragons to uh, suffer a lot of damage. And there is a lot of carnage going on this. And as he's thinking to himself, he says, I think it's working pretty well. And then Terry says, how amusing. I like fights where I overwhelm the enemy with, with a significant difference in numbers. But I do find the opposite situation quite amusing. Allow me to show you the real thing. Dragon fear as he summons this attack to attack all of uh, Sung Jin Wu's uh, uh, summon soldiers. So he realizes he says, Dragon fear attack from the king of the dragons. I can't control my shadow soldiers like this. Cancel summon, which causes them to disappear so that they won't be overwhelmed by the blast, leaving him alone to face and Terry's. But he then resummons back uh, Kaizel, who was uh, one of the dragons he has used to rise on, to help him in the fight. And Terry says, this is the real thing. Or Wait, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Avatar is destruction, who doesn't hesitate to sacrifice oneself for the sake of a raging war. The amalgam of blood, scream, madness, and destruction. A being created solely for the purpose of war. That is me, and Terry's. The king of dragons and the monarch of destruction. And Sung Jin was thinking to himself, the enormous amount of mana from when the king of giants died must have sunk into the ground, and yet it didn't last against that attack. Even undying soldiers would perish immediately if they were hit if if they were to take a direct hit of his breath. You didn't have to be so nervous, Shadow Monarch. When you grabbed my arm, I could have easily broken free. But I did not, because you impressed me by driving me into a corner. And as a fellow monarch, I wanted to have a quiet conversation with you. If you have inherited the previous Shadow Monarch's memories, then you must already know this, but our ultimate enemy is not the world, but exists beyond the skies. The army of the rulers. Their only meaning in existence is to destroy the monarchs who were born within darkness. And the Shadow Monarch is not an exception to this. I was planning on eliminating you and preparing to fight with them, but I've changed my mind after seeing how you fight. You possess a different set of talents compared to Ashbourne, and I saw our glorious victory within your talents. If you want me to let your family live, I will do so. If you want me to preserve your country, I will do so as well. If you wish for me and my soldiers to depart from this land, I will leave quietly. Become the owner of this land. And I'm not talking about the castle on the hill. I mean the owner of the entire planet. You possess such qualifications. All you have to do is hold my hand. If we combine forces to defeat the soldier of the rulers, your family, your country, and this entire planet will regain peace and freedom. How about it, Shadow Monarch? 
Will you join me? And Sung Jin Woo says, don't make me laugh. You expect me to believe you when your eyes are screaming that you want to kill me? And then Terry says, I guess I can't hide it. This was my final mercy to you. To prepare, shout out Monarch. That is the end of the chapter. So they are really taking their sweet time with padding. Um, Because once again, it is nearing an end. I've seen some people estimate as, as few as 20 chapters, others as few as uh, as many as 30 to 35 remaining. So, uh, I'm just glad. It, it, I mean, there are some d developments in this that are fun, that are leading on, like, you know, it's, and Terry is just messing with them. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's not that nothing happens in this. It's just not a lot. So anyway, we will move on to Tower of God. Uh, this is chapter 511, A Dark Twist. Uh, what a twist. Uh, Sensio, last chapter, saved Kuhn from being killed. As we go back to uh, White and Bomb continuing to fight, as they've been doing for who, who remembers how long. Feels like 20 chapters. It's probably only been like three or four. So White is thinking to himself, I've got to admit... That guy now is stronger than me as he's looking at Bomb. And he's continually trying to send uh, attacks at him, but, but the attack stopped for a moment. It did rush, so he would need some time. My shield won't probably hold his next attack. He's gotten stronger, but the durability is still weak. I have to break through his defense and do some real damage in a single blow as he summons his uh, sword to... Use the white style deadly spirit blade. Bomb stretches out a hand, uh, activating oh, is it the Thrissa. Is that what it's called? I can't remember. You'd think I'd know these things after 500 chapters. But white continues his attack deadly sword of light, sending it right at Bomb. He says, Just one blow won't do it. Right away. Incinerating shooting star. And he's using this as a as a chance to potentially take down Bomb and cause enough harm for him to you know, get an edge in this fight. But as the smoke clears, what's that? Nope, Bomb's still around. And he's sending these black, shadowy things. I, I think solidified Shinsu. Can't remember from the description. And White is being on the defense right now. And notices he's uninjured, even after all that. To see no damage done, even by that amount of attack. This is ridiculous. Well, you're fighting your, uh, your shonen protagonist, buddy, it is, even if this is Korea. It's, just, it's not the defense. He's not defending but countering all my attacks with that overflowing power. On the other hand, my shield is constantly weakening by the Shinsu ring. The space is limited to even escape. In this limited area, he has almost infinite power. So much that it overflows and pours down. Overflows and pours down? And he smirks as he has the realization, perhaps that power, if I take advantage of the situation, I might be able to absorb it too. As Arya is looking on in the fight, at looking specifically at Bomb and asking herself, is he really all right? Why did he stop attacking? 
Is he maybe losing consciousness? It's that power. Someone is my father. To be corrupted by and devouring everything. That's just a power I should have. Once I get a hold of that power, I'll be able to reach my father. Oh, is that white? Sorry, the text changed in this kind of messing me up. I think it was the same uh, black box they used for white earlier stuff. Uh, who knows? If I'm wrong, correct me. I will take all that criticism. Like, yeah, read the dang thing, Christian. It says, hey, wake up. As White summons more power into his sword, using the posture of silence. Swings the sword back. says, I don't need a shield. He has thrown his shield aside. I'll put everything into this one attack. He's not able to control the power that started to burn up already. The Shinsu's density around the orb is so high that it's overflowing. If I just put a small hole in the orb, all the overflowing power will be sucked into the point that fill that hole. Aim for that chance. If I go put my sword in him and cast a spell, I'll be able to absorb that power. I'll focus my energy on one point for the sharpest sword strike to pierce it. And he causes his sword to grow immensely uh, using his many powers to do so. Bomb seems to be completely taken surprise and surprised by this. And Arya's shouting out for Bomb. Uh, but White continues, a hole was made. It's now, and he rushes forward. The power is flowing into the hole. I can take it up. Once I make that power my own, I'll become a whole new being. Only as once again the smoke clears, and Bomb is perfectly fine. Oh, what? That guy? Without any sign of panic, he's waiting for me? And we get narration. The moment White passed through the smoke and saw Bomb's face, he realized this was a trap. Bomb's eyes were steady, and he was in control of himself inside the enormous power. That there was a pause in the attack was probably for this moment. By saving energy after the pause, he was waiting for White to jump into it. But though White realized it was a trap, he couldn't stop himself. Perhaps it was because of the pride, or a manifestation of his confidence that he won't fall back in close combat. You said if I command all the powers within me. But the moment White heard what Bomb said, to gather together as one, I'll be much stronger, right? His confidence went down completely. And like right before he can get the swing, Bomb has used enough of that to attack White. He says, I'll just once focus all my powers within me in a single direction with a single target. And pour them out. Creating this giant black orb of pure Shinsu. And White is completely taken aback by its appearance. As the smoke goes all over from the destruction of the blast. Ari can barely stand up. Uh, Bomb from the discharge of the attack is wounded. White says, what? You seem to attack wildly, but it's not as good as it looks. And Arya says, this is bad. Mom says, no. All power was in these two hands to begin with. And White says, what? Mom says, you will now be gone. Since I'm now going to drain all the power from you. And White thinks to himself, it's a trap. This trap was waiting for me to put my sword in him. The power is being sucked in. And Mom thinks, he's never going to let go of the sword, since he's the sword itself. The sword is a medium. Is he trying to take my power, Bomb? Uh, excuse me, uh, White thinks. You dare challenge me to fight over a sword? 
How preposterous. This is my sword and my power. I'll never let go of this power. To be continued. Is this the end of white? I have not looked ahead for spoilers, so it could possibly be. And he's been around for quite some time. Remember the Hell Train arc took forever. Um, so what to say? Not too much. Uh, I I am enjoying these this chapter more than the previous ones. It seemed like something actually happened. So uh, it's anyone's guess how much longer Tower of God is going to end. Will it be the One Piece of of South Korea? Probably. But, yeah. I do believe that's about all I have to say on everything. So, let's go with the ending outro stuff. Uh, we are the Starving Writers Guild. We are here to uh, spread knowledge not only about the books that we have made and written, but also to help you find ways to publish your material, to edit your products, and you know help find a community where we as authors can help one another. Uh, we are... Uh, MC Ashley, John Alexander slash Transylvania, whenever that happens. Just want to rib John on that one. And Barbara Page. Uh, you can find us at starvingwritersguild.com. You can find our works on the website as well as on Amazon. And yeah, that's the end of the show. So until next time, see ya. <laughs>